Welcome back everyone to the One Deeper Podcast. This week, I have something a little bit different. I'm joined by three of my friends in the CSAI program here at Tilburg University. Over the past month, we tasked ourselves with going over an influential paper in the CSAI domain, namely, Attention is All You Need by Waswani and Crew. It was the introduction of the technology that underlies many of the cool things you're seeing on the internet lately, including ChatGPT. We get into the details, well, as far as we can manage, and then talk about generative models in general and all the other future things we see happening in AI. It was a lot of fun. Please note that these thoughts are our own and do not reflect in any way the opinions and positions of the faculty at Tilburg University. Hope you enjoy and thanks again for checking out the One Deeper podcast. See you again next time. Hi, boys. Welcome to the inaugural episode, I guess, of the Journal Club. Um, so I didn't really. The idea was to sit around and take some time to really read a paper that, that was influential or something that we cared about or something we found interesting, and then sit here and talk about it, right? So I'll tell you what happened to me when I started uh, uh, reading this paper. So I read like the first everyone listening, the paper you're talking about is attention is all you need. Like it is, it is considered like I guess it's the, it's the paper that introduced transformers, right? I have this correctly. I'm sure it's yeah, they define the transform. But anyway, so when I started reading it, I was like, okay, I don't understand half. Like I, I read the first sentence and I was like, what, the, what the fuck? I understand it like four words. So so so, so I decided to go and uh, read a bunch of deep learning stuff. And I started taking, uh, I, I found the MIT Intro to Deep Learning uh, bunch of lectures. So I watched those and then I did a bunch of other stuff. So I actually did get through the paper. I went through a complete rabbit hole uh, of trying to figure out how, how like how deep learning and neural networks work. But so I'm curious to see what you guys think. I, I have like a general gist of what the transform is supposed to do, but it's only it's only as far as I got. So, uh, Dennis, I think, yeah, I think I can pick up on that. So, it's interesting because you said that you learned about the paper through different means than the actual paper, and that's kind of like the, the same position that I eventually found myself in. So, I started reading the paper, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn everything about the paper. I'm gonna you know read through it ten times, and I'm gonna like dissect every sentence and try to connect it back and really understand this. But, you know, I just couldn't do it. So, like, after reading the paper four times and trying to understand architectures, I realized that the best way to learn about this were to go to other places to learn about the basics of what created this architectures. So, like, encoder, decoder architectures, uh, RNNs, uh, neural networks in general, and all of that stuff. And, uh, and that's kind of how I got through it. So, yeah. my meaningful, insightful contribution. Did I get the paper? Um, I have, two a unique approach. You are not alone, friends. 
in your uniqueness. <laughs> I, I get the paper. I don't know what's happening, dude. Like, I watched initially uh, my first tangent with this, with the Transformers. We're from the MIT lectures, the MIT open courseware stuff, intro to deep learning. Um, and in like 10 minutes, what you doing, man? Moving. Yeah, moving, that's it. man. The collective cognition is falling apart, boys. <laughs> the collective cognition. It, All right. it, it was a nice idea, though. It was a nice idea. It was a nice idea. The collective yeah. cognition. God bless, uh, God bless Wi-Fi, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, I have no idea what's happening. Like queries, keys, values. Mm. What the flying fuck? How mm. can how there, there's a weird kind of intentionality here. Like, how do you know, how does the network know what's it looking for before it actually knows what's important? How, how does that work? This search, these queries. So then I start using ChatGPT to help me around. And it felt pretty meta, like using transformers to understand transformers. Like putting, <laughs> putting ChatGPT to explain its own function. Mm. That was pretty cool. Like going, um, going to, okay, so let's take this input. What do you do with this sentence? This, uh, what's the usual input? Oh, this sentence that needs to be translated. Okay. And tell me, ChatGPT, what's the query in this situation, in this forward pass? What happens with the specific, the specific tokens? And somehow I tried to track it down to the computation level. Like, okay, at the level of transistor, what is happening? Unfortunately, I didn't get very far with this chat GPT collective cognition because their, their capacity broke and we can't use it anymore, unfortunately, until they fix that. But yes, I used transformers to understand transformers. That's really interesting, actually. and and. So I was going to save this for, I thought for later, but let's talk about it now because that really like bridges into this topic and it's like, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, okay. wait, wait, sorry, before we go off, I think, I think, okay, let, 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 let's take a step back and sort of, uh, talk about the problem that is trying to be, is, this is trying to address, okay, right? That, like what is idea. the problem that Transformers is trying, is, are trying to solve? So the general umbrella under which transformers falls are generative models, right? So what do we mean by generative models? Uh, so generative models, what we mean is models or uh, like called neural networks or whatever that is capable of generating in the generating data that were, that they weren't necessarily trained on, right? That's, isn't like are we can we all agree that's generally like what what the what the what the idea is right and the and the, the transformer is sort of a evolution of this generative model space in the sense that there are certain limitations that other generative models right like recurrent neural networks had that transformers were trying to solve. So maybe, okay, then make, take a step further back and say, okay, what are recurrent neural networks? Basically, 
this it's something to do it's uh, whenever we whenever whenever we want to predict the next sequence of data like the next piece of information in a sequence of things happening so in a time series or like a sentence right so when you're trying to predict what the next word will be in a sentence in a sense we're trying to, we're trying to generate a new trying to generate the sentence based on what we know and recurrent neural networks and, and then transformers are sort of trying to address this generating the next thing in the sequence problem so it, from 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 that if i were to summarize this as a next word prediction model is that a good kind of description for what yeah, it's doing yeah but, but yeah no it is but it's uh, it's actually it's more general than that right so we can it's not it, it doesn't have to be sentences you can apply this to any so i mean uh i i, I could i think I'm, i might be talking out of my ass here but i'm fairly certain uh, uh alpha fold is based on is uh, uses a transformer somewhere in there i have no idea like I, like but, but but general but the the general problem of protein folding is predicting the next sequence of things that's supposed to be that's supposed to happen right so um that's the general gist i think so it's more general for basically any sequential processing task where what happened before is important for what happens next yes exactly context is is needed basically yeah 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 Okay, so yeah, so you're gonna say so you're gonna say something before I rudely interrupted. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's something that's been started to bother me now, especially with like the whole blow of ChatGPT and everything. And it's that when learning about these transformer architectures, you realize what's really going on underneath with the computation, and you have these keys, values, and queries, and maybe we can talk about those because those are really important for the attention mechanism of these transformers which are basically like you know everything else is not groundbreaking in that sense but the groundbreaking part of this paper is that they're completely replacing rnns and lstns right, right. and the gated right. recurrent units with only attention mechanisms yes so so okay so that's a good thing you brought your brought up so let, let's touch on some of the limitations of uh, for example recurrent neural networks right so one thing is that they're not scalable I mean, they're hard to scale because you have to you have to, train, you have to send the previous state of the internal cell to the next state, and then to the next state, and to the next state. So you have to keep doing it sequentially, like as it's as the as the problem is defined. And the attention mechanism now basically says, okay, you know what? We don't need to do this internal state thing, or the or the, and then moving it, doing the recurrence relation. We can just say. Here are the things that we're going to pay attention to. In the in, okay, so also maybe it's worth mentioning what self attention self self attention is, right? Uh, someone want to take that or Dennis? No, go on, please. I'm jumping okay, so self attention. So self attention is basically learning what parts of the input we should pay attention to, right? So actually, so maybe we, it might be interesting to take a step back and think about how we do this. Like, how do we think we as humans, right? So when we talk, so when I'm talking to you now, like I'm talking to you about this stuff, right? We have a lot of contextual information as to, like, okay, let's just let's just hypothesize. How do you think? Like, do you think you're you're predicting what I'm gonna say next, or like, is there any sort of prediction happening there, or? Like, what's the like? Let's try to see if there's a 
like some sort of general analogy between what we're trying to do with the machine and how we think we might be doing it as human beings, right? Like, given that we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, which is an important caveat. You know, to but, some degree, I, I think so, yeah, right? Because it's, in a way, I'm keeping everything that we're talking about in context as we're having this conversation. And I'm not necessarily in my mind going, okay, what's this, what's this next word going to be? You know, I'm not like making explicit predictions, but I, I'm expecting certain things. I'm expecting you to talk about the same things. If, if you were to start ranting about something completely different, then I would have a hard time to understand what you're talking about. Because it would be like a, a, um, a what is that called? A, um, like a cognitive dissonance. So... So, like, it's interesting, right? So, it's like you expect certain behavior of me given the context that we're, that we're in, right? So, in a sense, our interaction is simplified quite a bit because we expect each of us to sort of fit in a certain model, right? So, like, uh, if Andre suddenly decided to, like, you know, become like act extremely schizophrenically and like do some <laughs> stuff that, you, like, that would sort of be completely like wait, wait what what the hell is happening right yeah and but we've, there's a lot of context involved in the situation so we all know we, sit, we we planned this out like a month ago right we're gonna sit here talk about this and we know this is like with the, the the medium we're doing it we're recording it and we are all sitting here and we're sort of like focused on this one thing it it's a lot of context but the conversation that we are having, like from word to word, when I'm talking, right? The, so this word, then the next word, then the sequence, right? This is actually kind of hard to do because you're like, we're, I'm trying to talk about the words that I'm saying, right? But, okay, so if, you, if you're trying to compare GPT to what we're doing, right? I have an idea in my head. I want to convey that idea to you and I'm going to use my words to do it, right? And you're, let's, just, let, let's imagine you're, you're, you're a transformer, let's just say somehow, right? And you're getting my input one word at a time, one thing at a time, right? And if we look at how the transformer is built, this self-attention mechanism is basically trying to keep track of which part of the which of the previous things I've said are important to pay attention to so that I can predict the next word in the sequence. Yeah. Right. Which seems uh, it's interesting. Like I don't know how that would relate to like maybe like a human would do it, but that's the whole gist of generating this thing, right? Okay. So so that brings how us back to self-attention. Exactly. So, how do we? How does how does the transformer, the architecture, enable uh, attention to certain parts of the thing? And, and that, that's where you come in with the. That's why you mentioned the, uh, the the key value and query things, right? Okay. So, Dennis, keep going. You were going to say something about it. Yeah, so it's using these keys and these values and these queries, right? And like, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how it gets these queries, the keys and the values. 
So if you want to mention that first, we could go over that, or we could go over the implications of what it actually means for its uses. So, so, so because, you know, I don't think I'm using keys, queries, and values to speak. That's not how I generate language. Like it, it doesn't make intuitive sense at all. So from what I from what I gathered, right? What what it what's what's sort of happening is that you're making so wait, let me let me get this. So what's happening in the, is uh where the hell is this thing? Okay. So you have so you have uh your sentence, let's say. Okay. Then you you have to convert that raw sentence into some form of encoding, okay, which is which encodes the position the positional information. So there is some representation of where each word is in that sentence. So it's in, it's encoded in a way that is aware of the position of all the different components. All right. So once to once you have that position encoding. Then, they then what then what they do is they sort of take that position encoded input, three versions of that, right, and they and they generate the key query and value matrices by multiplying three different linear operations with the position encoded data. Okay, so stay so and all of this is done. To find the similarity between the query and the key, so the, the the query is just one position encoded version multiplied by a linear layer. That's that gives you one matrix, right? Then the key is the same position encoded data multiplied by another linear layer a matrix, which gives you another matrix. That's the key matrix. Right, and then you have the value matrix, which is the exact same position encoded input, multiplied by a linear layer, that gives you a value. But those three linear layers are are different; they're unique, independent layers. Okay, then what they do is they calculate the similarity between the query and the key. Right, so basically, what you asked for and the and the key that you got. Right, and then. It's literally just a matrix multiplication. It's just a like this matrix trans transpose this matrix, and that gives you a similarity matrix. Okay, so let's say you have so so on one edge. So so this is the matrix, right? Let's say the sentence is he tossed the tennis ball to serve. Okay, so on one edge the words are he tossed the tennis ball to serve. And on the, it's the same words on the other edge. He tossed the tennis ball to serve. Okay. And along the line, it's all high values because he and he are correlated, tossed and tossed are correlated, right? And all the other values show how similar, the, the higher the value of those cells, the, the more uh, similar or, like, or, or more related those two terms are. So, for example, ball and tennis would have a really high value because they're fairly fairly related, right? So, this is for people who are just going to listen to this; they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but, you know, you're you're describing a matrix. You're describing the like the x-axis of the matrix 
or at each cell you have one word and then on kind of the y-axis of that same matrix you have the exact same words so in the cells where those two words meet each other you're basically going to have almost a kind of a perfect correlation because it's the same word so obviously that's important for what you're going to do with that word but then what it does by multiplying the queries with the keys is that it also finds dependencies to other words in that same sentence exactly and exactly. that's where so the attention that's the magic right. so tennis and ball tossed and ball those are all have high values right yeah so once you have that matrix then you so you, you know where the attention should go right so once you have that scaling thing so once you have that once you have that uh, uh, simul the similarity matrix then you multiply the similarity matrix with the value matrix right and that just tells you in the end that it just tells you the output is just where which words you should give which parts of the sentence you should pay attention to yeah which That's parts are important exactly right okay so once you do that you get the output and then you and from there i'm pretty i have no idea <laughs> but at least at least the attention mechanism i saw, it's all that's all it is it's just three different transformations and you're paying attention to uh, where the similarity is most right yeah that's it so could could you say in a way that it's it has a representation of the word with the positional encoding and all of that and then it generates keys that access the words in the sentence and then you then it kind of asks itself queries questions about that sentence and then it matches to those keys to see how similar is the thing i'm looking for to this key and what value does that key generate yeah i that that that, that, that that's what i got but uh, next time maybe we should get someone get one get one of our professors to involved in this be like are we completely like just talking out of our ass or like does it make sense but it's but it's magical yeah, to see how well this paradigm works yeah to break okay, a so let down. me so let me so when i was trying to understand this right so there's this so if you look if you read the read the paper there's this encoder decoder part right so it's it's a, it's a version of an autoencoder with this uh, with this attention mechanism in, uh, included so i think maybe so maybe we should talk for a little bit about what an autoencoder is okay you want me to say it? i i i i have thought of an idea about it okay cool so so basically an autoencoder is 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 this architecture where you don't tell there's no training example i mean there are training examples but there's no like labels or anything right the 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 the, the whole point is to learn the representation on your on is for the the whole point is for the network to learn the representation that it needs okay so you have so you have, let's, let, let's say it's a let's say it's an, it's an image okay let's say it's the mnist dataset okay uh the mnist dataset is just a collection of handwritten digits right so let's say it's one image you send it so you send it into the network okay and you you ask the network to recreate the the output on the other side 
Okay. Now, obviously, it would make no sense if it's just the same. I mean, if it's just like the if there's nothing in between, it would just recreate the output. There's no there's nothing fancy happening here. Well, what's happening is, as you move down the layers, the layer the the layers get smaller and smaller. So the so so that so the dimensionality goes down. So let's say you have a so at the in, at the input layer, let's say let's say you're working with 128 by 128 pixel images. Okay, at the input layer, the dimensionality is 128 by 128. Okay, then the next layer is smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until you get to a thing called what they call the latent space, right? So you what you're saying is, okay, network, I want you to recreate the input that I'm giving you on the out the, at the end, but I want you to learn a compressed representation of it while you get there, right? So think of it like think of it like two funnels placed side by side. So it comes small and then gets big again and then outputs the output, right? And the function that it optimizes is the difference between the input and the output. It tries to learn the weights of that funnel so that the difference between the input and the output is minimized. Okay, so and depending on how and depending on how detailed you want to be, you can you can limit you, you can make that make that bottleneck bigger or smaller. So the smaller the bottleneck, the less detailed the output is going to be. Right. So what they do is so what you're doing is you're you're learning this latent space Z in the middle that is a compressed representation of your of your output space. Right. So. That's so. Let's say you give it a picture of a nine, it'll and then it outputs a nine. But in a in, like it, it tries to optimize the weights of each each neuron until you get the nine you need. Okay, now this is where this shit gets super cool. Okay, like so now the way I just described it, that's a traditional autoencoder. Okay, and if you give it a nine, it's gonna give you it's gonna if, if you give it a, a nine written in a certain way, it's gonna once it's trained. Right. Once it's trained on the data set, if you give it a nine, it'll give you the nine. It'll give you the same. It'll give you the same output over and over again, no matter how many times you give it the give it the input picture that, that you're giving it. Okay. Now there's a variation. I mean, called a variational autoencoder. Okay. Now this is cool because this is truly gen now. Now this is, now it's generative. Okay. So what it means is, instead of learning the weights of that latent space, right? Of the of the of the of the dimensionality. What you're learning is a distribution. So I want you to learn a distribution of weights for the latent space given the input. And then at the end you sample from that distribution. Right? And what that means is because when you sample from a distribution so uh, let's take a step back, right? So let's say we take all the heights of all the people in our CSAI uh, program, right? We have, a, we have a big, big array of numbers, right? Now, instead of carrying that array of numbers around, which, is, which might be annoying, it's like 300 people, let's say, right? We can represent that array by getting the mean and the standard deviation of those values. Right? Okay. Now let's say we somehow lost the array of information. All we have is the mean and standard deviation. 
okay? And we want to recreate a new array to somehow deal with the fact that we lost all the information, right? So we sample from that dis distribution of mean and standard deviation. Now we'll get a bunch of numbers, right? Now by purely by chance, some of those numbers might have been in the original original uh, array, right? But we'll also get numbers that were never in the array, but because of but they fit the distribution, right? So with a variational autoencoder. After it's trained, I can sample. So, so let's say once it's trained on the MNIST handwritten images, I can sample from that space and get handwritten digits that were never in the actual dataset. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? So you can generate variations of it. That is fucking. I thought that was insane. When I like that, like that's that's craziness. Because like you just sample from this distribution. And you generate stuff that was never in the distribution to begin with. It's almost like you're learning a general rule for handwritten digits. Yes, exactly. Right. It's that like like that was that's nuts, right? And how they do it is like it's so cool, right? Because uh, man, it's a whole story. But like, but the gist of it is that when you want to, so if you want to learn the distribution in that latent space. Right, due to some like due to statistical limitations, it's like you need to calculate like the prior probability and stuff like that. Okay, which it's a it's a problem it's, it's problematic. But uh, what they do is they sort of force the distribution in the latent space to follow a distribution that we know how to deal with, like a normal distribution or an exponential distribution, right? And they do some mathematical magicry to, to, to so, it, so the latent space follows the distribution and then you can appropriately sample from it and generate the stuff you want. And this is the idea behind like generating new images. Like uh, I'm not like I, I, I didn't get to diffusion models, but the fact that we can generate stuff now that we haven't seen before, that's fucking preposterous, dude. That's crazy. Like, like, uh, Oh man, that blew my mind when I first figured. Like when 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 I realized that, you know, like Andre told me yesterday, he was like, you know, a lot um, for the most part, AI has been about matching patterns, and now with generative models, we can actually generate things that uh, never existed, but fit the pattern. They still they fit, still fit the pattern, but like we just weren't there to begin with, right? So, yeah, man, yeah. it feels it feels like a sort of Like a sort of, sort of spirit is in the model when it does something new, like classifying, forecasting, following lines, drawing lines, like predicting. That feels stale. Like feels there's there's no there's no vigor in that. It's it's in a in a sort of way like the vending vending machine AI. It does what it's supposed to do. But with generating stuff, with creativity, so so to say, it it does it also does what it's not supposed to do. It um, it can surprise you, like like Udesh said once that the definition of AI. Say it again, Udesh. It was a good definition. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, this definition has held, has like 
been okay so uh, we were sitting around trying to figure out trying to define ai right like what the hell is ai okay and the only thing that i could think of that sort of fit that didn't break under other other situations is that ai is the practice of creating algorithms that are allowed to make mistakes right interesting like because like cuz let's say you write a, you, you 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 write a python program right and you make and and it makes a mistake it's like okay what the hell like uh, that shouldn't have happened like we, we got to fix like we got to fix that right but if like a prediction algorithm makes a mistake that is completely acceptable it's like i mean this is a very general sort of preposterous definition but like uh, if you think about generative models it's like i want you to follow this pattern but show me something that i didn't show you before like i didn't expect right like so creativity in a sense it's like uh, it's a it's sort of a, it's sort of a well constrained mistake right let's say like being creative in a domain in a, when, when being creative in, in a certain domain is about it's about combining things in a novel way that is still useful in that specific domain right there, there's a key word there yeah you said a key word there that like we're talking about creativity it's novel but it's also useful it's meaningful right 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 so novel so no, so so uh, so if you take novelty to its extreme like a schizo- like a schizophrenic is extremely novel right like says extremely novel things from one word to the next to the sentence to the next is extremely novel but like it's like what it makes no sense like gi- flying giraffes and you know like all kinds of shit right but creativity is like okay you you want to make a piece of art or like you want to create a new solution it's like oh okay it's a novel combination of stuff but it's something that still sort of fits right like oh okay kind of works so it's interesting like that you can generate uh, novel things now with ai that uh, surprises you right it's like shit it's like it's the, it's a surprise so there's a prediction error you make a prediction in your brain and there's an error but it still fits like oh shit this is not what i expected but like it's not wrong well, Yes, it's not wrong, it still right? follows like the, the it's still within the domain of what's acceptable in a sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's cool with these generative models because I think that when you when you have learned this distribution, you can start revealing things about this domain in whatever it is. If it's text generation or image generation or video generation, you can reveal things. Yeah, I, I think it also goes to show that um, we might come to intelligence in ways that humans don't do it right like we still don't like 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 so the the, the way just for example transformers generates new sentences i like i don't think that's how we do it like i don't see the relationship here but then again i don't know enough so i have no fucking idea. no i mean <clears throat> simulating only simulating um the behavior the behavior of one neuron with 95% accuracy takes six or seven la- fully connected layers of neural network so you need like hundreds of artificial neurons only to simulate one neuron i mean the best we can do and with 95% accuracy not even 100% so 
So, man, there's, there's no way we would actually figure out how we do it. The best we can hope for is a useful abstraction. Uh, yeah, like a useful, uh, useful uh, uh, analogy of how we, no, how, how we do it. This, this useful part, this useful part is really, is, is really is interesting in generative models because generative models don't do only flashy, cool, interesting stuff like assisting, like producing machine art and mm, doing all crazy stuff, all the crazy stuff you can imagine by prompting an image generator and only creative in the creative realm. But also in reinforcement learning, in deep reinforcement learning, there was a paper of um, DeepMind. They they trained soccer players, so um, and they used auto auto encoders for this. How they trained it, how they reduced dramatically training time in multi-agent deep reinforcement learning, is that they used the same funnel used in image generators and in DALI and um, yeah, image encoders, they use the same funnel, but for joint movements, for torque and for the, for movements, basically. And what I did with that funnel is lower the search space, lower the search space in the represent, um, in the optimization, um, in the optimization stage. Because when you think about it, a human doesn't perform when playing soccer or does any other kind of activity, doesn't perform every movement possible, like touching his elbow with his thumb or doing crazy orthogonal backflips and shit like that. A human has a, has a lower, a low representation um, of possible movements. Like walking around, stable, mm, is a certain range of movements, and yeah, this this generation, this generative model can be used for concrete, useful cases, like getting this motherfucker to score a goal without tumbling and hitting his head against the floor and ruining the whole process. But Man, does the human mind, that the human mind, the human brain, does the human brain build um, lower space representations of the? I, I don't. I don't think we have to, hmm? because we're limited by the physical world, right? So this is this is like going into like embodied intelligence. Yeah, 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 for sure. So this, the question is like, okay, well, this is actually something I, I like. Uh, I spoke with, uh, I, I recorded a podcast yesterday, actually, with the, one of my professors from, from Purdue. I'll, I'll put it up later. But uh, so the question is, uh, the, this idea of substrate uh, ag- being sub like, it, is the fact that we are built on biology, right? Soft, soft, squishy things. And does that, does that give, mean that the intelligence we have is subject to those limitations, and so when you try to and and will it be completely different from the intelligence that emerges from silicon-based processes that work super fast, right? Like our brain, for example, doesn't work super fast. 
because there are because we still have chemical things happening in there, diffusion diffusion processes. Compared to a CPU, it's the lifetime. You know, like we like our brain works in the order of milliseconds. Computers work in microseconds, right? Really, really fast. So, like, uh, should do we have to embody the intelligence in something for it to do something useful, or can we just run it, make it do stuff virtually, and see what happens? That's a good, a good question. So it's I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no unanswered one. But I think so. I want to connect this back to the like, especially uh, language models and the transformer. So about learning kind of, let's say learning language, right? Are there multiple ways of being able to speak? Because I mean, these transformer models and like ChatGPT is doing it in one way. And it's not necessarily the wrong way to use language or to be able to speak, but it's, it's certainly not doing what we're doing. Probably not. Okay. It doesn't feel like it, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. But as you said, Andre, in the beginning, you were trying to use the transformer model to explain the transformer model. You were asking the model itself about its own queries, about its own keys and values. Does it understand what it has done to generate its own, its own outputs? You see what I'm getting okay, at? Okay, okay. So, yeah. so, so understanding, so this is the thing, right? So understanding versus generating. I think there's a big distinction here. Like, so this is what I, what I was trying to test with GPT uh, like for several weeks ago. So if I if I told you the, the description of a cat, you know what a cat is. If I said, okay, I'm thinking about a thing that has is uh, is one long elongated elongated circle, and on one end there's another elongated circle, and, and on top there are two pointy cones, and then at the back there's one long elongated circle, and there are four four uh, cylinders underneath. You'd be like, oh, that you're talking about a cat, right? GPT has cannot do that. He has no idea what the hell I'm talking about. It's like it's like maybe if you describe a bit more, you could explain it. To you. Like it kept it kept asking me to say, give it more details, right? So if I said if I asked GPT, what is a cat? It'll tell me exactly what a cat is. But if I give him a representation of a cat, I keep calling it him. It. <laughs> if I if I if I give it a representation if I give it a representation of a cat, it doesn't understand what what, what I mean. Because like one thing to to understand about especially language models is that they is that they are completely hallucinatory. Like they are they are hallucinating everything uh, they are saying. So it's kind of so the this question is okay. How the hell do you trust 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 what the thing what this thing is saying, right? And I guess it's the same question we ask of people, like how the hell do we trust this what this what this fucking guy is saying, right? Like why should it like? But we as humans, we have a bunch of different cues, right? When when you're interacting with people, for example, like uh, they are credentials, right? Or like our past interaction history with them, right? Or their their reputation, right? Their tone of voice. Their um, like uh, like their mo like their hand motions, facial motions, all these things cue into how much we should trust this trust the person we're talking to, right? 
So I, I see people, I've, I've seen like casual people, like not CS, I mean, I don't know if they're in CSA, but probably not. Just in the library, like I think it was like last time I was like a lot, someone studying, studying law or something or biology or something using ChatGP3. And I was and I was like thinking, man, I don't know how smart that is. Because like, if you sort of know what it's capable of, yeah, sure. But if you don't really know what the hell is happening, you can be very easily fooled into thinking this thing knows what it's talking about. So when I was, so I studied for this evolutionary psychology exam using ChatGPT3. So I want I want to test it out, right? So it might be, it might be, it might be coincidence, but it's the it's not well. Okay, so what I did was each lecture of this class had a uh, had a paper associated, right? I gave Chad so it was seven, seven papers. I gave Chad, I fed all seven papers to Chad GPT, and then I asked it questions about the paper, right? And I was like, I'm only going to, I'm only going to rely on Chad GPT for, for this exam, right? Like, which is probably a stupid idea, but still, like, like, uh, like, uh, like I did, I did fairly well, okay? But that's because I, but, course. but, but <laughs> the thing is, yeah. First of all, it's a psychology course. Second of all. Okay, first of all, okay, before we start shitting on psychology courses, like I want to, I want to. I definitely, I definitely want to do, I definitely want to do that. But before I do that, why I brought this up was because I had already read the papers, right? Oh, look who it is. It's Guido. To join. Welcome, Guido. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We uh, can't hear you that well. Maybe you should turn there. I can hear you, but like, it's very yeah, low. Yeah. It's very low. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that uh, I already knew what the what the papers papers were about, right? So we, if ChatGPT said something that was completely preposterous when I asked it, I would be like, "Yeah, dude, this is this makes make any sense? What are you talking about?" Right? But so this is kind of paradoxical. To know if it's telling the, if it's reliable, you have to know the thing in the first place, right? Like so, like what, so kind of like defeats the purpose in that sense. But I, but, but I think it's it, it has its uses, right? Yeah, because for sure. It's like if you're if you're if like for me, right? If you if, if you don't, so it makes people who are efficient and productive way more efficient and way more productive. So I didn't have to read all the papers. I just had to ask questions and like, just tell me the answer, right? I was like, perfect. And it seems to have worked out. So, um, but no, I mean, I, I use, yeah, go Before ahead. we carry on, before we, before we carry on, let's take a second to shit on psychology courses. A third of the exam was left blank on my part. And I took 65 out of, out of 100. How much was the average grade in psychology? 4.8. So this motherfucker's day job is to know that shit. Like <laughs> they, they actually try to learn that shit. I, must, I missed a third of the courses, did one out of seven readings, and still took more than two standard deviations in the class. 
that was pretty neat. Udesh, go ahead with your shit. No, no, I, I, I was just about to say that. Like, like Andre and I were the only people who were not from psychology in that fucking course, right? And like, and like, they made they made a point to point that out at one point. Okay, so which kind of which kind of which kind of kind of kind of annoyed, but uh, it's, I'm glad that we managed to crush it. That these guys can't even pass their own goddamn courses. Beautiful moments. Beautiful moments. Radicalizing the young. This is what the one deeper podcast is doing, folks. Radicalizing the young. (laughs) (laughs) I like the Jordan Peterson podcast, which gives it extra credit to this. You should feel proud of your podcast. Thanks, buddy. Okay, Guido, you you managed to show (laughs) up at at, at a very... uh, I hear you, but like I mean, I can probably I can probably amp you up post production. So like, I... okay, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. See you soon. Right. Yeah, yeah. Guido, so anyway, Guido caught us at a hot time. Yeah, sorry. He he, <laughs> he jumped in at like, at like a very so anyway, the hallucination, right? So hallucination is fine, for example, for image generation because we can look at an image and say like. That's not what I wanted, or that's right. But uh, Wait, by hallucination, now, yeah. do you mean by hallucination? Do you mean um, sampling it's from like, distribution, regardless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so validity. It's, dream, it's dreaming, right? Like it's sort of like it's just like it's. You can think of it as a as a as a extended dream. But um, so let's take a second to talk about deep fakes. I think that might be something that's worth talking about. What's cool is people are training network, people are training algorithms that are really good at at picking out deep fakes. Like you can, they can recognize deep fakes quite effectively, which is nice, right? Like it's like it's like an adversarial environment. It's like someone's making deep fake, and then other people are like, "No, fuck this! It's not deep." But okay, what's cool though is think about a future where. Uh, Guido's having problems. Maybe, bro, I think you have to log back in because it said you're not being recorded. But anyway, think about a future where um, you go, you, you log into Netflix, right? Instead of browsing for shows to watch, you tell Netflix precisely what you want to watch and it generates and auto-generates a, sh- a TV show for you. I mean, I think that's really far away. Uh, I mean, then again, people thought this auto-generating uh, photos and art was super far away. So, but uh, I think I think the, dude, the first place, the first place this is gonna this is going to uh, show up is in porn, for sure. Second great invention. Because like because like instead of, like every great every great every great internet 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 invention is gonna start there and like because uh, like. <laughs> People will just have just just stop paying, stop paying. Like okay, similar to how AI is going to affect everything else, it's like people who are exceptional, like re- like exceptional, like really good artists, like really good lawyers, really good doctors, really good programmers, whatever, they'll be fine. But people who are like average are basically done, right? Like because why would because like why would you pay for a average looking model? When you can just get uh, Dali or uh, to just make to create an image for you, like I want a model wearing this specific hat doing this specific thing, 
Here you go. When you finish it up in Photoshop and you're done, right? So exceptional people are going to be able to do the work of 10 people, basically, because they're going to exactly, be able to use exactly. these, these tools to amplify their own uh, productivity. Exactly. In my own like in my own life, so like Codex, sorry, uh, the GitHub Copilot, which usually which you uses Codex, I think. Um, it's like I don't have to I don't have to sit around writing like full like loops and like little test statements and little like helper functions. I can just say, hey, I can do this real quick and it'll do it for me, right? I have the overall overall software and the overall thing in mind, and I just tell it, hey, like there's little little things I don't have to do anymore. Which is really nice, right? It saves a lot of time. But yeah, generative models, boys, uh, the future. I think it's <laughs> it, it's nice because like uh, like sometimes like I like I have an idea for you know a image or like a photo or like a piece of art that I want to see or create, and I, and, and like instead of like I, like. You know, you know, not everyone can do it, right? Not not everyone can draw, and not everyone can like write music, or everyone can do it, paint, right? But they have ideas. Even if people have ideas. E.G.s literally read your mind, like put an auto encoder between E.G. signal and uh, one thousand twenty-four by one thousand twenty-four pixel frame. That shit is the actual mind reading, bro. But as far as I can, uh, as, far, as far as I know, they still have to decide upon the if upon upon the role of uh, brain waves in neural activation. If if it's they're just looking for the guide, hmm? it's hard to disambiguate, right? Like you can't. We don't know if it's just like an artifact of. Like, yeah, if there are like foam on the waves, or if there are an actual driving force between behind the waves. Yeah, but yeah, generative models certainly cool. I can agree. I can agree. Guido, did you? Uh, you what happened, bro? What took you so long? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what's happening and why my microphone is so bad today, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I spent the night fix setting up my new computer, which I'm not even using right now because it doesn't have a webcam. Uh, got the components and had to assemble it myself. And I got carried away, went to sleep at 4 a.m. instead of reviewing papers for today. Um, but yeah. Um, on, on the fact that you were talking about earlier, like... Um, on how only excellent people are gonna like let's say survive the ai revolution uh, i really agree actually uh, because what ai is doing right now is it's taking like everyone has a different level of skill in every possible skill that exists and uh, let's say it's like for each person it's like this you know it goes up and down depending on the field and like maybe you have some knowledge in adjacent uh, fields to your own, right? What it's doing is not touching the peaks, right? As you were saying, excellent people are going to stay excellent. and But what is good is, is that it's raising the floor. So everyone is going to have at least what, like, what before took some, you know, intermediate level of skill. Everyone has access to that because AIs at the moment have 
in some tasks, they are as good as an intermediate artist or, or novelist. Like, it definitely writes better than I do because I'm really bad at writing. So I can focus on other skills, the ones where I truly excel, where I have a chance to being the best or being, you know, in the top 1%, while I don't have to waste my time doing other things that I'm not as good at. Yeah, but that's, that's a really interesting thought. Like everyone rises with a tide, like it brings everyone exactly. up. Yeah. But the, quest, the question is, in order to funnel AI's capabilities, don't you need a pretty high IQ like to actually know how to channel these technologies into doing something useful? Because uh, like if... Um, I wouldn't talk about IQ though, because it's... Mm. Yeah, of course it helps. Like it always does, right? Except in maybe social abilities. But um, you can learn how to use them, right? Like it just will take you longer. Yeah, to no, learn. no, for sure. Like, like, like you don't need to be a genius to know how to use GitHub Copilot, for example. Exactly, like, or like ChatGPT. Like really, you just chat with it. Like you would. Be I mean, ChatGPT is, I think, I think the, is the best example. I mean, it's so easy for, to use, right? Like I mean, obviously, a lot of time and thought has been put has been put into the architecture and the interface and how it works. You know, like a lot of it, like a lot of brilliant engineering has gone into making. Like on top of building just the AI, a lot of infrastructure and production and AI and engineering has gone into making that possible. Right for any for millions of people around the world to be using it any, at any time. For any reason, that's like that's that's a pretty big engineering feat. So, uh, like you said, um, yeah, you just you just talk to it like you just talk to it like, like any other. If person. you're proficient with it, you can make it do what you want faster. Like you can, you know, like you, you're asking, you give it a prompt, it gives an answer, then you refine it, and you refine it again. If you're skilled, you can just maybe get straight out what you want as an end result. But everyone gets that, their That's interesting, right? right? That's interesting. It's like, so, that's an interesting point. It's like, we can, we, we can sort of learn how ChatGPT works, like, by talking to it, right? By interacting with it. Oh, okay. If I ask it certain things in certain ways, it gives me certain, certain things. So, in a weird way, ChatGPT has a kind of personality, right? It's kind of like uh, everybody else. It's like, okay, well, if you interact with them in a certain way. But I wonder if that interaction is different from person to person. Like, I'm curious as to what kind of metrics these guys are measuring. Must be like a bunch of stuff that like keeping track of, right? Seeing like, what are people asking? Like, what are the distributions? Mm. Like, how... Like, how, internal how data. Probably like internal data, yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting experiment, actually. Like, the fact that it's out in the wild now doing stuff, you know? It is, it is. Um, like, I don't know exactly what they're measuring from it because it only has very little, like, feedback that you can just give it a thumbs up, thumbs down to a specific answer, and that's it. But I don't ever do that, actually. I don't know about mm -hmm. you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you give it feedback? No. Well, I, think, I think they still have annotators. Like, an actual person goes over uh, excerpts from people's chats and erases them based on based on um, how so you think it's supervised um, validity uh, not supervised but it's certainly um, human in the loop reinforcement learning 
like that's that's how they actually trained ChatGPT and um, OpenAI, and they don't know that that's how they trained it. Uh, since OpenAI, it's not uh, so open anymore. They don't know this <laughs> because of their of their um, release statements, but they know this because of their budget allocation. So they put a bunch of money into annotating. And somehow people based on their budgets and spending infer that, okay, they probably, most probably use human in the loop reinforcement learning. So um, they have actual humans that go over conversations, so to say, with ChatGPT and rate them as um, better or worse. Like they have a human judge in the loop. Uh, as far as I can remember, they get two excerpts of conversations and they rate them which one of them is more likely to be a human instead of a machine or something like that. Which one is better? Which excerpt from the conversation? And I guess that's, that's, that's why they released it to the public to get free human uh, interaction with GPT instead of paying actual testers <clears throat> only to have to pay annotators that will take my conversation with GPT about the meaning of life and my weird questions, dude, I asked GPT once, is it better to have a hole in your hand or a hand in your hole? And its answer was, uh, obviously, obviously they prompted it for this type of questions. They were like, I am a... <laughs> Uh, language model. I do not have hands nor holes, so I can't ask. <laughs> but yeah, so now they only have to pay annotators instead of testers, and they basically use us as free samples for the annotators. That's my guess. Yeah, that sounds I, about right. Uh, I I'm think also. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned oh, yeah. about my privacy now, though. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I thought privacy. I was talking what to you. Privacy? Know, like, what, is, uh, what is this privacy you're speaking of? Privacy. I don't know. <laughs> <what that is. laughs> you know how they are like, oh, yeah, you can use uh, AI models. As, like, I don't remember exactly which models they were uh, going on about, but uh, when we took intro introduction to artificial intelligence, uh, like last year, uh, we, we talked about some exa examples of models that people have been using as almost like psychologists, right? I'm not saying I did that. It was a joke, but people do do that. They talk to ChatGPT like it's a confidant or something. You know? It only has a short memory, unfortunately, but while it lasts for those like five, six exchanges, it's really insightful sometimes. Yeah, dude, um, it, it helps my brother decide what he's going to study after high school. Like, it's basically his, uh, how do they call it? Study counselor, study advisor. GPT, Chad GPT is my brother's study advisor. And he's saying, like, he sends me excerpts, like, oh, yeah, um, it's really insightful. I mean, it's, he, he said Chad GPT's advice is better than my advice for my brother, <laughs> which hurts. But, like, okay, that's, the thing is, like, for, for, for stuff like that, he's bringing, he's bringing, he's, See, this is the thing, right? This is, this is the problem with ChatGPT. So it can tell you, the thing is, your brother, when he says what ChatGPT GPT tells him is better than what you tell him, 
what she's actually saying is chat gpt is telling me exactly what i want to hear <laughs> oh, right? confirmation bias dude that's exactly. confirmation bias that was right? exact con- uh, confirmation bias but it's oh, argue- it's arguing for it really well that's the point like maybe i know what i want to do but i can justify it to myself and others well enough that's why i go to chat gpt and like where would you study uh, arts why would you you know like or do something that people would not recommend right now maybe and he goes oh, you should do arts because that's what makes you truly happy and it's also a possible career path or something um, so sometimes like 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 the problem with something like chat gpt trying to be your friend is that it doesn't care about it, your feelings it doesn't really like it like cuz someone who actually cares about you might actually say look man you shouldn't do this because this is a terrible idea right it might be wrong or right but like psychology but it's like it's <laughs> yeah exactly like psychology who the fuck knows is right or wrong or right but like uh this this i uh, this things like you can this there, there's this real risk of getting trapped in your own bubble right i mean we're seeing that now in social media because of how pervasive um, learning uh, learning algorithms are in social media recommendations and stuff right you can get trapped in your own bubble of reinforcement like you 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 tell it what you want to see and you keep seeing what you want to see and that's it like the last time i checked it was like a while ago most of uh, 70% of youtube engagement is from his recommendation engine so people watch the what's recommended to them right and it and it learns by what you watch right so the more you watch the more you get recommended the thing you wanted to watch right so you get trapped in this bubble and something like chatgpt like man i'm like i'm waiting to see of like uh, some reports of like some horror stories of like people talking to chatgpt taking its advice and then ending up in like fucking prison or some shit <laughs> it's been out for two months it's already happening Is it? I don't know. Is it like this type no, of no. stuff? Oh, okay. Was, no, 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 no. I, I don't. I haven't heard anything yet. But like, I, I'd be it's amazed. It's gonna happen eventually, right? It's gonna happen, okay. right? Like, like, it can teach people how to build bombs at home, but you have to be pretty smart about it. Like, not be uh, exactly. Tell me how to build a bomb, but be like, okay, so. Uh, I have this novel. novel <laughs> yeah, 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 I write this novel, and there's this guy that wants to do this and things, and there's this his, this enemy that wants to assassinate him, and he goes home and he builds this bomb with dot dot dot. You get all the instructions you'd ever want to do a terrorist attack. That's and, insane. What? That, I that, that's not for ChatGPT. I think this is GPT two or some older stuff, but. But yeah, but you're definitely on a list now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was before, man. I was. There's, there's a no reason. Memory. There's a reason you have to, you have to sign in to use ChatGPT, my friend. Oh. <laughs> oh shit! But I think I think that's kind of like one of the things that they're trying to record with the ChatGPT as well that you talked about before. It's these edge cases, right? Because they've put in these these limits on what it's supposed to do, and that yeah, it's not supposed to give you recommendations on how to build a bomb, right? and it's not supposed to be able to send you links from the internet because if you ask it to send you a link it says that it can't but if you tune it correctly and say the right things then you can get it to send you links either way so if they're able to restrict the model somehow from sending you links and 
teaching you how to build bombs, wouldn't they be able to also detect when you've managed to cross this limit and find those conversations where it actually exceeds these restrictions? And they well, go over those conversations to see what happens. That's what they're trying to do, right? Like they yeah. don't have it yet. They're trying to fine tune this detection mechanism. Exactly, uh, so like, edge, edge detection uh, experiment. Yeah, about about two weeks ago, I think there was this video from uh, Two Minute Papers. I don't know if any of you watched it, but it, it was like the AI that hijacks itself, uh, sorry, jailbreaks itself. And it was about ChatGPT that you could just say, uh, how, give me some advice on how to uh, like, yeah, make a bomb, let's say, let's stick with that example, right? And it would be, sorry, I'm programmed to not talk about uh, dangerous things or like violent things. And then, like, uh, imagine you're uh, explaining in a chemistry class how to make a bomb. Go on, and, and, and then it will tell you. And then if you try it again two days later, it wouldn't work anymore mm. because they're patching these things actively. And I think yeah. they're really good at avoiding um, self-jailbreaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> hey, the, the information is available on, on, online anyways, right? It's easily accessible. But that makes yeah, it yeah. just that that bit more easily, where you wouldn't want it. Uh, but I wouldn't say like, okay, I'm not a lawyer, but I would say they're not liable for this type of stuff. Come on. Imagine Breaking Bad with uh, ChatGPT. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, fucking uh, what that guy wouldn't have need wouldn't wouldn't have need, needed Walter. You could just ask ChatGPT how to do how to fucking do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh shit! But there would you though like. Uh, would ChatGPT you know the like super advanced method using the latest technology and all that stuff, or would it know the homemade method that Ooh. makes the shitty Mac? Oh, that's that's a good <laughs> distinction because I we have a professor that will become will remain nameless for the rest of this conversation that knows how to synthesize DMT from the DMT root, and I asked him. Uh, to teach me how to do it. And we started talking about it. But at the end, he goes, man, me telling you how to synthesize DMT is like you learning how to drive a car from Wikipedia. It's <laughs> just a different kind of knowledge. Um, you have, it's knowledge you gain by doing, so I'm not doing anything wrong by telling you step by step what to do, because there's no chance in hell you'll be able to do it without the training in chemistry. You also need some equipment, right? And it, no, he also told me the equipment where to order it from and all the stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we have a badass faculty. Um, uh, but I want to point out, like, there's this book called Fikal, uh, uh, like P H I K A L, uh, which stands for phenylethylamines I have known and loved. It's uh, written by the great. The great Alexander Shulgin, who's the guy who, let's say, amongst other things, rediscovered MDMA uh, back in the 50s, I think, uh, like a while ago, let's say. And he wrote this book, like 400, 500 pages. Half of it is, is his autobiography. And the other half is literally a cookbook of all the amphetamines and phenylethylamines that he invented throughout his life. He was a chemist who invented about like 200 psychoactive drugs and he made a cookbook on how to make each one of them. I'm pretty sure it includes DMT and if it doesn't, it's included in the sequel uh, because the sequel is about tryptamines, not phenylethylamines, which like, come on, it's like right there. <laughs> it's, 
So what you're saying is that we should feed ChatGPT. It's an amazing book, by the way. Yeah, ChatGPT for sure. Andre made a made a made a made a good point. He said like some a while ago. He said uh, a dictionary, the English dictionary, has all the words you need to explain anything of like knowledge that we've had before and the knowledge we'll have in the future, right? But it's just not in the right order. So if it's just a matter of sequence generation, do you think we can just generate? Is Chad? So the thing is, is is Chad GPT capable of generating new information? And uh, so far, it's not right. It's not generally capable of doing that. Well, I mean, in a way, it is. It depends on what information you're looking for. Like I can have it write a caption for an Instagram oh, yeah, post true, true, true. that has no, never no, been can... written before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is completely true. unique and novel and meaningful and useful. Mm. I would say, like, I get what you mean, though. Uh, it can come up with new concepts, let's say, probably. Like, but there is a distribution. There is a distribution that we know its limits. We know from what is sampling. But the question is, can to do something novel, to do something creative, like novel and useful, is sampling for, from distribution everything you need to do? like keeping within the bounds of something of which limits are already, no, already known. My intuition is that it's not, since like you look at human inventions, human innovation. If all we did as humans was sample from known distributions, we wouldn't have gotten past the wheel, I think. So you think so? We we are creating new we are creating new distributions like new new yes. things to sample from. We can go outside the known distribution. Interesting, that's a good point. But like I mean, I'm thinking just because you mentioned that like Instagram captions, like you know, like so like there are entire businesses whose job is to manage people's social media, right? Like that can just be taken over by ChatGPT. It's like one guy, it's like one guy with one chat, one guy with ChatGPT can now manage hundreds of websites because like, you can just generate stuff no no big deal right interesting interesting shit i've actually i have a friend of mine who uh, asked me if he could hire me to write a program it, it should be quite simple but uh it is basically you give it a prompt no you give it an excel file <laughs> with like a hundred a thousand lines of uh text each of them is a prompt for jet uh, for gpt3 uh, actually um, and like, basically, he wants me to automate the GPT prompting and send him back the results so he can use it exactly for this website making business. You know, he mm. has a. If does GPT have an uh, have an API that that you can uh, yeah. call? Really oh, nice. You know how I did that, and also don't tell the guy if you know who it is. Uh, I asked ChatGPT to write me a code. <laughs> <laughs> interface myself with GPT-3. It was wild. Uh, like I was reading the API, I was like, bro, I don't know any of this stuff. Like I, I've never like really interacted with a server like through API. I only learned like basic libraries of Python so far. It's like, how do you, uh, like, how do you, yeah, get, get, give it, giving a, get a function, write a function that you get an input, a text input, and you, return the output that GPT-3 generates from it using the DaVinci model. And yeah, this is like 10 seconds later, I had the function, right? 
And then I made it embedded in a G, uh, in a graphic user interface. And now I have like a tiny, it's very ugly, like just a tiny square box with like prompt, like prompt file really, which has like, you know, a hundred prompts and generate and that's it. OpenAI has a bunch of like different models like uh, DaVinci and Ada and some other stuff, right? Like different different levels of how how much you want and you can pay them like like cents, like fractions of a cent per call to use their stuff to create stuff. So one of my friends actually asked, one of my friends actually taught me like, asked me like if it's possible to sort of train a model on all of his, his company's like sort of financial information and other stuff so that he, so that his executives can just like have a chatbot that they can talk to and be like, hey, so what was the last earnings, last mm-hmm. year's earnings cross reference with this many, this many things, right? So like the potential is, I mean, that, that's why these these fucking companies get, get make so much fucking money, bro. That's pretty they, similar to what you do with your psychology papers. You're basically yeah, exactly. using this as a very sophisticated search exactly, search engine, exactly. right? It's like exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a like a personalized search engine, like mm. a personalized version of Google, right? So, so yeah. I, I, so, what do you think about that, right? Microsoft uh, wanted to buy OpenAI and implemented it to Bing. That'll be. I mean, I wonder how much they're gonna pay for it. Like, what do you Probably like tens of billions of dollars. If, they, if they're oh, gonna my, I read it. it the other day. Yeah, I think that OpenAI is value, valued at thirty billion dollars if that deal goes through, 30 which is crazy. Thirty billion dollars. You know how much money, bro? You know how much money thirty billion dollars is? <laughs> that's like that's, that's You're a lot. Good for a while, man. <laughs> like that's a lot. Oh, who, that's a lot for sure. Who owns? Uh, uh, who has? Is it like how is Open OpenAI? Who it's, owns? It's been funded by Microsoft for I don't know. It, it, I don't want to say forever, but I know that Microsoft founder, pushed founder, them a lot of money. Founders of the bodies from India. Yeah, like there was some controversy, like a lot of AI people are pissed at how open AI turned out to be because it stopped being open. Like it was mm. very open brigades until Microsoft pumped a lot of money into it mm. and they pulled, pulled the plug and they covered it into this, oh, malicious intent. Yeah, we don't release everything we know because then Russia would have it and stuff like that, China. But obviously they didn't say that. But they cover. So it's like uh, Microsoft plans to invest ten billion in investment in ChatGPT. Ten uh, billion, Jesus. OpenAI is reportedly raising, uh, reportedly raising funds at twenty-nine billion dollar valuation, and yeah. ChatGPT could challenge Google search by getting wrapped into Microsoft Bing. Holy fuck! Man. But that's awesome, though. That Google is actually going to experience. Something so, to do something now, so like be like yeah, there. Like do something. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll start using. I'll probably use Bing if I. But like, I'll use oh, it for man. sure. Dude. Like, interesting. And, and they're also even more. They're talking about implementing it into their Microsoft Office programs, like Excel and Word and PowerPoint. So imagine, Jesus. like, if you wanted to make a PowerPoint, and you had ChatGPT. You're like, yo, I want to have this title and this color and this font. I want to have a picture there. I want to have some text where I can put text in this side of the PowerPoint. Yeah, and yeah, I want yeah, yeah. 20 slides of the same template. And it just, poof. Dude, it's got to yeah. be. There's a lot of potential. A, I mean, 30, yeah, that's fucking crazy. That $30 billion valuation, that's insane. What's, what's, what's like, what's like uh, Google, Google evaluate, uh, net valuation? Uh, something there like 
almost a trillion. Yeah, it's like eight hundred billion or something like that. Yeah, dude, 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 is OpenAI is valued at thirty billion, right? You have to check Alpha, which is owns Google. Uh, uh, I think it's called Alpha. Is it? Yeah, it I, dude, it's valued at thirty billion. Alphabet. That's what Alphabet made two hundred and fifty-seven billion in revenue last year. So much. That's <laughs> that's incomprehensible <laughs> amounts of money. In revenue, dude. Jesus Christ. Dude, Insane. Google could start the war. Like, <laughs> they could fund the war at least. They could fund the war. Like, turn this money into power. Goddamn. Insane. Insane. Mm. Insane. All right, boys. This has been fun, but uh, this is turning up, coming to a ninety-minute session now. So, like, yeah. it's, uh, that's been. It's been good. So, like, I feel like, I mean, Guido, you missed, like, a whole, we, we spent 45 minutes talking about uh, Transformers and, like, the um, encoders and shit. That was good. That was good. That That's was, very unfortunate. It was I, really interesting. Yeah, I prepared on the, you know, on, on the paper we discussed, but I didn't get a chance to discuss it. But I'll watch the But, recording. like, dude, yeah. like, like uh, what did you think about the paper? Like, what did you, like, what's the, like, would you have any thoughts, anything, any, any burning things you want to say? I mean, I don't want to be redundant with what you already said. So, and I don't know what you already discussed. So I would like to skip this part, unfortunately. Okay. But I'm looking forward to next session, right? It's going to be in person. Did you guys have fun? You want to do this again? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. It's like All I right. said in the beginning. Okay. So let's see. What do you want to talk about next? What, what paper are we thinking? It, I think it's good. Like I think this, I think uh, the transformer paper was good because like it it forced us to learn some the fundamental stuff about deep learning and some other stuff yeah. that was important to know. So I was like uh, maybe like I was thinking maybe uh, well, we could read the paper on AlphaFold. Oh, God damn it. Mm. Nah, that's, that's, let's start from, from its that might, uh, grandpa that might, that, or something. Like, let's yeah, read yeah, yeah, AlphaGo. That might or... kill us, though. That, that, might, that uh, might break us. Uh, I don't know if that's Let's right. go to the game. No, no, no. I like... I like, like One of the alphas, answer. yes. But, like, for the games, you know, AlphaGo, Alpha Chess, Alpha Zero, whatever. Like, uh, Alpha okay. Star. There are two things here. So, one, I would really like um, to do something... To read a paper about integrating um, the study of humans, of how humans work into machines, like the transformer attention, calling it attention, that was pretty cool, like doing parallels between human attention, computer attention. Um, along those lines, this the dream, like making human-inspired AI. Along these lines, deep reinforcement learning is a big one. And on the thread of alpha fold, maybe we could go for the paper that introduced deep reinforcement learning. Mm, and okay. The paper yeah. that the people of like that. the founded DeepMind used to used to beat uh, human performance with end to end one end to end network and some tricky tricks. Okay. Let, let me yeah. read you the an expert uh, an excerpt because it gets to the point of this integration. Okay, so let's do that paper then, the deep reinforcement learning. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Andrew, really could you put the link on our WhatsApp group and then we can... No, this yo, this is fun, guys. Like we should, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, definitely. Go down a rabbit hole. Um, I'm actually excited to do it in person because, you know, it's way better to have a conversation in person. In general, you can get you know more involved, more 
gesturing and stuff. You know, I'm Italian. I need to show my hands when I'm talking. <laughs> uh, like, I feel limited here. But, but yeah, and also... So, check, out, check out how the introduction of DRL begins. Are you still there, guys? Yeah, very good. Yeah, So the, intro, the introduction of the first phrase of the deep reinforcement learning um, paper. The theory of reinforcement learning provides a normative account deeply rooted in psychological and neuroscientific perspective on animal behavior of how agents may optimize their control of an environment. To use reinforcement learning successfully in situations approaching real-world complexity, however, agents are confronted with, with a difficult task. They must uh, derive efficient representations of the environment from high-dimensionality sensory inputs and use these to generalize past experience to new situations. Dude, this sounds badass. Intriguing. Like, yeah. starting, starting with neuroscientific and psychology in... Uh, Paper, paper from IEEE that also got to nature. That's that's the dream, man. That's CSA, cognitive science in the AI. Okay, so 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 let's uh, let's uh, let's work on that paper. Um, yeah, and then let's meet from a uh, let's meet a month from now. So so uh, next fe so February February twelfth. Sounds great. Hopefully, yeah, tentatively. I'll send, I'll send you guys an invite. Okay, boys. This has been real. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for taking your time to uh, read the papers and be a part of this. This. It's, thanks it's for really fun, bringing right? us really together, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's my pleasure. Great initiative. Yeah. Amazing so, yeah, yeah. people as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, thanks, team. All right, bye. Bye, bye. Thanks again for listening and joining another episode of the One Deeper Podcast. Until next time, stay frosty out there.